Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Today, I want to return to a specific area of our um, study because I don't uh, want to leave an area of revelation until we are at a place that it's working in us and through us and for us. So let's just put our faith in agreement right now. Would you do that with me? Would you just agree for the revelation that we need uh, from this to operate in our life today? Just right now with me. Say, Father, I release my faith for the understanding, the spiritual knowledge that will compel me and motivate me in the use of Jesus' name. That when I say the name of Jesus, faith in that name is established and strong in my heart and released through my mouth. In Jesus' name, I ask it. Hallelujah. And what happens when you ask in Jesus' name? You shall receive. Praise God. So what does that name mean? What does it mean when we say in the name of Jesus? Now I'm going to, when, sometimes when I teach on a subject, I go back and I re- realize where I was when I first entered into the things of God. And I heard people talking about the name and they would say in the name, they would open their prayer in the name, they would end their prayer in the name, they, they, but, and they would sing about the name. But I didn't understand what I understand today that causes the name of Jesus to operate in me and through me the way it does today. That understanding of what it means changes the way you operate that privilege. Because it's a privilege for us to be named with the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 that the whole family in heaven and in earth is named with the name. So we are, we've been delegated this name. We've been authorized use of the name of Jesus. But what does it mean to me? How, how have I brought this personally into my life to say, I want uh, to uh, bring my faith to this privilege of being named with the name? Well, when we talk about Um, Jesus' name, it helps for us to understand the authority that God has given. And so let's understand first that God gave mankind authority. Go with me to Hebrews and chapter 2. Verses six through nine. But one in a certain place testified saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. So let's stop right here and let's investigate this because sometimes the King James leaves us behind. The way that the King James says some things kind of backwards or or the way it illustrates it. He says, we see you have put all things in subjection under his feet. 
For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. The Weiss translation, Kenneth E. Weiss New Testament translation says, he left nothing outside of man's control. I'm sorry, that's the amplified. Put that up there. He left nothing outside of man's control. You got to renew your mind to that. Because before Christ, we came in thinking that we were all, all worms in the dust. We were sinners in the hand of an angry God. That God is so angry and his, 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 his anger towards us and towards our sin and, and not seeing God as love. And we were just, just barely poor wayfaring strangers. That's what we were, just trying to make it in. But we come in and we find out we're children of God through what Jesus did. What Jesus did changed everything. He, he made me a child of God. And then I began to see that God's original plan for man was a plan where man was in a position of authority. In Genesis, when God spoke his very first words to man in the blessing, he said, behold, I give unto you authority. You'll have authority on the earth over all the things on the earth everything that creeps upon the earth, God delegated this authority to mankind in the beginning. And that's what the, they, they are speaking of here. It says, we, we, uh, you made him a little lower than the angels. Now that's, that's something for us to investigate right there. Are we lower than the angels? Is Michael in a, a position, Michael the archangel, is he, is he higher ranking in God's family than me? He's not even in God's family. He's an angel. So what does this word mean? So we're going to have to go back to what this is quoting because this in, in the New Testament is quoting a verse from Psalm chapter 8. So we've got to go back and we've got to look at the original place that it was spoken, and find out what does that mean. So when God created man, we have the words that he spoke when he created mankind, and those words were words that authorized man to be in charge, to have dominion. Do we need to, I think, hold your place here in Psalm 8, and I'm just going to read it to you. You can put Genesis here up on the screen because we need to hear it. One twenty-six. God said, let us make man in our image. He never said that about an angel. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, all the earth, every creeping things that creep upon the earth. Let man have dominion. Verse 27, God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, subdue it, subdue it. The Amplified, show me the Amplified right there, verse 28. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What does subdue the earth mean? Because he said, have dominion in the next, he said, subdue the earth and have dominion over, and then he lists what we're supposed to have. So he says, subdue the earth using all its resources, next, next, in all of its vast resources in the service of God and man. Subdue the earth using all of its vast resources in the service of God and man and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. So this is not a suggestion or an option. It's an instruction. It's a mandate. This is the blessing mandate. When God spoke these words, they are words that tell us how to operate. They tell us our part. They tell us our activity we are blessed, and in the blessing is dominion. In the blessing is the power to subdue the earth, to bring it into the plan of God for my life, to bring the resources necessary for the plan of God in our lives. So we claim it. Do you remember how the, the Lord told 
Brother Hagen about his finances. Brother Hagen had, had finally stepped out as the Lord had instructed him. You know, when he started um, ministering as a teacher, there weren't, he said, in, in my circles, we had, we had pastors and we had evangelists. That was it. <laughs> and he said, if you weren't a pastor, you were an evangelist. And anybody who was a traveling minister was in their, in their group considered an evangelist. But the Lord told him to begin to teach. And, you know, Brother Hagen operated in the office of a teacher and the office of a prophet. And uh, because people didn't understand a lot of it, then Brother Hagen said, I told the Lord, I'm not, I can't teach. I can't survive on teaching. And he said, I'm going to prove it to you, Lord. I'm in a conference and I'm going to take every morning and I'm going to teach. And then I'll preach in the evening services. And, and so he, he was going to show the Lord how it wouldn't work. And he began in the mornings teaching. And he said those morning services were filled up by the end of the week. They had more in attendance during those teaching services than they did in the evening services. And so the Lord taught him something, didn't he? <laughs> but when he first stepped out, you know, he had been a pastor for 12 years after he had stepped into ministry. And in that 12 years, that, that final church, he said, everything looked really good. I had the best church I'd ever had. They took really good care of us. We had our own parsonage. We had, had money. Everything looked good, except I just didn't have peace about where I was. And he would use the phrase, it felt like I was washing my feet with my socks on. And that's how he described when he was, he was recognizing, I'm not where I need to be. Something's wrong here. And so he began to seek the Lord. And the Lord said, I never called you to pastor. And so he sent him out on the field, and that first year, he was not uh, making it financially. He said, after the end of that year, he said, my, I'd run all the, the tie, rubber off my tires, and he ended up junking his car for just parts, selling it, you know, for, for $100 or something for parts, and he said, I, I didn't have my food to feed my kids. I didn't have new clothes for them. I, we were really not doing well. And I went back to the Lord and said, Lord, I did what you told me to do. I left that church and now we're worse off. And the Lord said, you were willing, but you weren't obedient. And so he said, you can't tell me I can't get, no, he said you were obedient, but you weren't willing because his heart wasn't in it. And so he said, I got willing real quick. In a moment, I got willing. I was like, okay, I'm all in Lord. I'm willing. And the Lord began to deal with him about his finances. And he told him about his finances. He said, for, he said, the money that you need is not up here in heaven. He said, the money is there on the earth. And you need to claim what you need. And he gave him those steps. And it's in that book, What God Taught Me About Financial Prosperity. It's just a little mini book. He, he, he said, you need to claim what you need from the kingdom of God. That's specific, isn't it? And he said, be specific. And he, he, he said he went the very next meeting and he said, this is how much I need to meet my budget. And I'm going to a church. And then when he went into the church, the man said, listen, we've got two crops here in town. We've got a tomato crop and we've got a cotton crop. And, and this happened and killed the tomato crop and this happened and killed the cotton crop. There's no money here. I should have canceled the meeting. I'm sorry, I even brought you here. And he said, don't you say anything over my offerings. Just pass the bucket. I'll believe God, okay? And so the man, the man, the man said, you don't want me to say anything? He said, don't say anything. Because the man kept saying, there's no money because all the farmers, it killed the tomato crop, it killed the cotton crop. He said, you don't say anything over my offering. Just pass the bucket and say, praise the Lord. And so Brother Hagen, he said, I put the Lord to the test. He said, claim what you need from the kingdom bind Satan and tell him to get his hands off what belongs to you, loose the angels and tell them to bring it to you, and then you praise me while you're waiting on the manifestation of it. Those four steps. And the first thing is be specific and claim what you need. The second thing is Bind the devil from stopping it from coming. Bind him, tell Satan, get, your, get, your, get his hands off what belongs to you. Send the angels. Yes. This is all authority. Y'all hear what we're doing? Subdue the earth. Subdue the earth. Yes. 
have dominion. Subdue and have dominion. That's basically the, the premise of what the Lord taught Brother Hagin, and he said he did it from that moment on in every church. He would claim what he needed to meet his budget for that week, claim what he needed to meet his budget for, for the ministry and for their family, and he, would, he had his faith focused on it. He would take authority over any hindrance of Satan or the devil to bring it uh, the devil's forces to stop it from coming and he would lose the angels. That's all authority. So what he has explained to us in Genesis, God never took back. Man still has authority. And that's why Jesus came as a man. Jesus came as a man legally in a human body, legally. You know, the devil questioned him and accused him and said, we know who you are. Remember the devil finding Jesus in the temple and said, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of Israel. What are you doing here before the, have you come to torment us before the time? We adjure you in the name of God. We adjure you by God. How can a devil look at Jesus and say, we command you by God? Because they didn't understand how legal Jesus was in that body. Jesus had the legal right to be in that body. Hallelujah. The Son of God, born into a body, the Son of Man, all God and all man, 100% the Son of God and 100% the Son of Man. Hallelujah. So that he could regain the authority that God had initially delegated to Adam. And that's why Jesus could calm the wind and the seas. As a man alive unto God, a man who Satan had no control over, every other human on the face of the planet before Jesus shed his blood, every other human was under subjection to Satan because of a sin nature. But Jesus, he had no sin in him. He had never sinned. And when he was walking on this planet, he was walking as a man alive unto God. His spirit was alive unto God, just like your spirit is alive unto God if you've accepted Jesus as Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are also a man or a woman alive unto God, and you are authorized by the blessing mandate to have dominion and subdue. You can call the resources you need for your family because you are a man, a woman alive unto God. You are authorized in this planet for these, these resources are not for the sinners to enjoy. They're for the people of God. God has placed for all human beings. He wants everybody to accept Jesus as Lord and to come into the knowledge of salvation. But he didn't put all the, the riches of this world for sinners to heap them upon themselves and live after the flesh and serve Satan. He wants you and I operating in dominion on the earth and calling into the kingdom for the service of God and man the necessary resources that are here in this earth. Hallelujah. So let's return to Psalm chapter 8. This is what we were seeing quoted in Hebrews chapter 2. What is man? Verse 4. What is man? that you are mindful of him. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Let's underline that, circle it, angels. It says angels here. It says angels over there. But that's not what it says in the original Greek word that is used. The original word, let me show you, first of all, go amplified here on verse five so that we can have a, a translation that has gone it, it, a little bit deeper into the meaning of the word. You have made him but a little lower than God or heavenly beings, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. Hallelujah. You've made him a little lower than God, 
The word is the word Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M. And the very first time it's used in the Bible is Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God. So the King James translators put angels, but if you go back and study the word, the word in, in, the, in the majority of the times that it's used is God, Elohim, a little lower than God. So we know we're not lower than angels. We can just read the rest of the salvation story. We can just read the rest and find out that we are not lower than angels. But God made us in his image and in his likeness. And he has placed us in his family. Hallelujah. And so the question, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him for you've made him but a little lower than God and you've crowned him with glory and in honor. Crowned him with glory and honor. Hallelujah. This word glory is the word that means heavy or weighty. If you, if you say um, somebody carries a lot of weight with that company, they, they carry a lot of, of weight in that meeting. It means they've got a lot of influence there. They've got a lot of authority. They, the people are looking to them, right? If they carry weight in that company. So he says he is, it is also defined as something that causes one to be recognized for who he truly is. We are crowned with the glory. In the original plan, Adam was crowned or clothed with glory. Hallelujah. In Christ, we are crowned with the glory. The glory is now in you. You are a container of the glory of God, which is is not just referring to brilliant light, it's referring to influence. You've crowned him with glory and honor. That's talking about the dominion. Hallelujah. So God has made us in his image, in his likeness. We are under his authority. We have been given his glory. Hallelujah. And it says, let's complete in uh, Psalm chapter eight, you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yes, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So everything on the earth, we have dominion. We have authority. We can subdue and bring the resources into the work of God and into the service of man. We can have dominion and, and operate the will of God in every situation in our life. But you notice what it said back over here in Hebrews 2. It said, but we see not. We see not yet all things brought into the dominion of man. Hallelujah. Why is that? Well, because of Adam's fall. Because of Adam's fall, people had fallen from that place of authority. It says, but now we see not yet all things put under man. Remember, God left nothing that is not put under us. So why, why don't we see it? Well, when man fell from that position of authority, a, a person who is still operating in their before Christ or that person without Christ, they're not in a position to exercise that authority. But those of us who've been brought into Christ, it says we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Is that what God crowned Adam with? Glory and honor? We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And because he tasted death, we've been made alive. Hallelujah. So because we are now alive unto God, 
in him, we can exercise and execute the same authority that God intended for the original Adam to operate. Hallelujah. We've been brought back into the plan of God where we're in charge. But God said it's through a lack of knowledge that my people perish. It's because they don't know who they are today. They don't know what they've got today. They still see themselves as as under subjection, and I have no control over this, and I don't know how to get out from under this debt. Start calling for the resources. Subdue the resources. You've been given the commandment to subdue the resources. And so that means you're going to have to stand up in a place of authority in your house and call it. And, and you, so you got to believe that the words you speak come to pass because for Mark chapter 11, 24, 22, 23, 24 need to be working for, that, for you to stand in that place and call for it. You've got to believe that if I speak to that mountain, that mountain will be removed. Amen. And what I say comes to pass. Yes. So when I stand up and I call for the resources of what this family needs to be able to pay this off and to be able to deal with this financial uh, uh, debt in our life, then I'm not just asking God. Have y'all noticed how many times Jesus prayed for the sick? And most, uh, out of every time, the only time we see him even talking to the Father about what he's about to do is at the tomb of Lazarus. And he said, I'm just having this conversation with you so they can hear me say this, right? Right? Every other time, what Jesus do? Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. Be be healed. Be cleansed. He, He commanded it. He was calling for the resources. He was using the authority that God had given him. He was exercising his faith because he knew it was the will of God for them to be healed. And so all of the components that we are receiving as we come to church and we learn about the ability to operate faith and how to call those things that be not as though they are, how to speak the end from the beginning, how to use the word of God as a weapon, the sword of our spirit, which is, is mighty through God, the, the power of prayer. As we learn these things, we recognize that there's a moment I'm going to have to put them into practice. I'm going to have to stand up in my own private place in prayer, and I'm going to have to execute that authority and say, in the name of Jesus. Now, see, if I haven't built my faith in the name of Jesus, how am I going to call for those things that belong to him? How am I going to access the authority that's in him if I don't believe I've got faith in in the name, if I don't believe in the name working in me? It's one thing to believe that the name of Jesus works when pastor says it, but it's a whole other thing to believe the name of Jesus is working in my life when I'm standing face to face with an attack of the enemy and the heaviness and the depression or the threat against my family is coming against me. I've got to stand up and say, it's not my pastor calling for the name. It's not Pastor Michelle calling for the name. It's not sister so-and-so. I'm standing here and I'm telling you in the name of Jesus to back off my family, back off my finances. I'm calling for the resources in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Our part is essential. Our Our spiritual strength and our spiritual sensitivity and our spiritual readiness is vital. Sister Patricia, what is the reason they have you go consistently to those trainings that you have to go to every, every few, uh, like six, every six weeks? Readiness. So in the forces, armed forces, even though how many years have you been going to those trainings? 38 years. She's not exempt from being ready. Just because you've done it for 38 years doesn't mean you're ready today. God's, I want you ready today. I want you ready today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so that readiness means I've got to be ready with my strength. 
I've got to be ready with my faith. I've got to be ready with my boldness. I've got to be ready with my spiritual courage that the name of Jesus has been delegated to me. And when the name of Jesus comes out of my heart, across my lips, the name of Jesus is affecting change in my situation. That whatsoever I shall ask the Father in Jesus' name, he will give it to me. That when I speak the name of Jesus against an attack of the adversary, it causes that adversary to stand down. It is the resisting necessary to make the adversary flee from my presence. If the enemy's still fighting, you just hadn't pulled the right weapon. If the enemy, I mean, he's going to fight. That's what he does. He's going to, but if, if you need, if you need a break, you just need to resist with the right weapon. Hallelujah. Sometimes we think, well, we're, we're, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. But are you doing what's making him leave? Because the Bible says, not me. I'm telling you, the Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will, he will flee. He doesn't have an option. He doesn't get to say, well, I think I'm going to stay. No, you can't stay because in the name of Jesus, I have given you a command and I have authority. Jesus said to his disciples before the shedding of the blood, Jesus said to the, under the delegated authority he gave to his disciples, he said, he said, I give you authority over all the power of the devil. It's, I give you the exousia, the authority over all the dunamis power, over whatever. The devil might be able to do a lot of things with witch doctors in somebody else's house. The devil may be able to place a curse on somebody through whatever, but not in my house because I've been given authority to say no curse is operating. No witch doctors, no voodoo dolls, no, no, no horoscope reading, uh, uh, tarot card reading, going on. No, no, none of that evil is coming against me because I have authority to say what goes on here. I've got authority to say, I've got authority to say that that cannot operate against me. No weapon formed against me shall be successful in its operation. Why? Because I have uh, the weapon and faith in that weapon. Hallelujah. We have authority in him. We have authority in him. So we're not, we're not begging. There are things that people are praying for God to do that he can't do because he's delegated it to them to do. For us to pray for God to do it and wait on him to do it when he said, you've got to do it. You've got to be the one to draw the line in the sand. You've got to be the one to release the authority of Jesus' name over your life. You've got to plead the blood over your house. You've got to apply faith in the blood over your children. Hallelujah. Well, God, if you were God, God, you do. No, I'm, I'm telling you, put the blood and I'll pass over. Put the blood and I'll protect. But there's the action that we have of taking our faith and releasing the name of Jesus and, and quoting the word in a way of, of um, being a, a way of activation to activate that in that situation. It's not us waiting for God to do it when he's already put it in our, our wheelhouse, when he's already placed it in our, our to-do list. Amen? Amen? So it says, let's go back to Hebrews 2.7. You've made him a little lower than God, Elohim. Let's just use the word Elohim because we know in the beginning, God yes. is Elohim. And this word is also Elohim in the original place it was being quoted from in Psalms. You have made me a little lower than Elohim. You crowned me with glory and honor and set me over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under my feet. I'm reading it as present tense, personalized, because everything Jesus did returned me to this and better and better. Because Jesus not only has the authority on the planet, God said, I give you authority over the earth, everything under the earth, and everything above the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
But he said, we have been returned to this authority so we can personalize it and renew our mind and see ourselves in the position of taking charge. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned me with glory and honor. You set me over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under my feet. For in that you put all in subjection under me, God, you left nothing that is not put under me. I read the Amplified. It said you've left nothing outside of man's control. The, the Weiss translation says, not even one thing that is not put under me, under mankind. The God's Word translation says nothing was excluded. Uh, uh, God's Word said nothing was left out. Message translation said nothing was excluded. Nothing was excluded. And we're in a better covenant than what Adam had. Hallelujah. Nothing was excluded. Nothing left out. He left nothing outside of man's control. If we, when we have a greater strength of faith in that, the more we believe that, the more we'll act on it. A lot of people aren't acting on it because they don't believe it. They don't think their prayers mean much. But the, the prayers of the righteous make tremendous power available. God said it makes tremendous power available. Dynamic, dynamic in its working, the Amplified says. Why? Because in this authority that we've been given, there are things necessary for us to, to use that authority for. Hallelujah. I want to go to James 5 because I want you to see there's nothing excluded. God used Elijah as an example of our prayer. He said in 517, I've been quoting verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I've been quoting that, but I want you to see here in verse 17, it says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Why did it not rain? Because one man prayed. One man. And now we have the ability to, he says, two will put 10,000 to flight. Hallelujah. Want to put a thousand to flight, but two. There's a multiplication there, isn't there? So what happens when we join our faith, our authority, when we're agreeing, when we're, we're releasing this authority together towards a specific assignment, then there's multiplication of the power that, we've been, that we're making available. He said, Elijah, he prayed and it rained not. Verse 18, he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And God used him as an example to us about praying, about praying, about using your authority in prayer. Verse 13 is one that a lot of people miss. Not you, but other people. It says, is any among you afflicted? What does the word afflicted mean? It means under a mental battle, trouble, annoyed. Is any among you afflicted? It's not talking about physical sickness. It's talking about under pressure. You're dealing with things, tribulations, mental battles, emotional battles, things coming against your life. It, what, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray. Hallelujah. Why? Because the effectual fervent prayer makes tremendous power available. Power for God to work in that situation. And we're not supposed to pray desperate prayers of defeat. Oh, Lord, it's so bad. That, that's not 
No, 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 no. No, Lord, I just don't know what I'm going to do. No, no. We come with the answer in our mouth. Father, you know what I need. Lord, you are aware of this situation that I am standing against. And Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I receive the wisdom that I need to know this next step I need to take. Father, I come and I thank you that you always cause me to triumph. I thank you that you give me the victory through Christ Jesus. And Father, I just rejoice even in advance for the victory that I'm going to see in this situation. I thank you, Lord, for the restoration that needs to take place. I thank you, Lord, and you get over there in that place of, of, of interaction based on God's word. We don't Pray emotions. This is your help in prayer. This is your prayer book right here. Take this to your prayer time and and go to God on the basis of his word. But as you know the authority that you have, you'll find yourself in conversation with God asking for things that you may not have known you were going to ask for. Anybody ever got there in a place in prayer? Have you ever been in prayer? And you ended up saying some things, you were like, ooh, ooh, that was bold. Did I say that? Right? Brother Hagen had a man who was his Sunday school superintendent. He said it was the best Sunday school superintendent he ever had. He said most of the people who would volunteer for that role in the church, they just took the title and didn't really do the work that went with it. He said, but not this man. This man, he visited families. He, he kept up with, you know, connecting with people. And he said he was one of the only men in the church that tithed. You know, it was a time that there weren't a lot of men attending the church. And he said he was a, a business owner and he tithed into the church. He was a real help to the ministry. And one day, this man had an accident on the job, and he fell into an oil rig. And he happened to be nearby, out giving uh, uh, announcements to the town. They had like a loudspeaker on top of the car, and he was driving around saying, revival tonight. And, the, and he said, I, we had just left the area where he was working, so they knew we were nearby. And when he fell into the oil rig, somebody had jumped in their car and ran and got Brother Hagen and brought him back. And by the time he got back, the doctor was there and there was an ambulance. This was like in 1954. So it wasn't an ambulance like we have an ambulance today. The doctor would meet the ambulance there. And he said, I didn't think he was going to make it for us to even load him into the ambulance. And he looked at Brother Hagen. He said, I need you to help prepare his wife. And about that time, his wife arrived. And of course, she attended the church too. And so Brother Hagen is walking away from that conversation with the doctor and he's looking at the wife and the wife, she catches Brother Hagen's eye and she says, aren't you glad we have inside information? And she was talking about inside the book. And so they agreed. And to the doctor's surprise, they not only... He not only stayed alive long enough for them to get him in the ambulance, but to the hospital. And so they they follow the ambulance to the hospital. They arrive there, and they're trying to get him uh, stable, and, and his body is in such shock, and he's got so much damage for the internal organs and bones and different things. It was It was so much that they really weren't doing a lot that we might do today. They were just trying to get him stable. And so they said, there's really not a lot that we can do. And so they, they're just, they're staying up. Brother Hagen would stay there in the night and the wife would come. And he said, about the third day, I could tell she was wearing down and, and it, she was weakening. And whenever the person in the room began to weaken spiritually, he began to slip over into, in, into passing. And so Brother Hagen said, I'm going to stay here all night. And he said, I began to fall asleep. And so when I felt, would start to drift off to sleep, the nurse would get up to check him because he started showing signs that he was dying. And so Brother Hagen said, I'm going to step out in the hallway and walk and pray. And so he's out there walking and praying. He's out there walking and praying. And he gets over and he started, he started telling God, God, I need him. I need him. 
He's the best Sunday school superintendent I've ever had. I need him in my church. And if I need him, you need him. And then he began to talk about, you know, all the families that he visited and how he had connected these families to the church and how he had helped these people through this and how he was a support to him in this way. And he would, he would say, Lord, if I need him, you need him. If I need him, you need him. And he said, I found myself over there in a place where I was telling the Lord, Lord, you can't let him die. No, Lord, you can't let him die. I need him. And he said, I found myself praying in a way that I was shocked about, where he was getting almost um, forceful in his boldness to tell the Lord, Lord, he cannot die. Do you hear me? He cannot die because I need him. And if I need him, you need him. So he's got to stay here and finish his work. He's got to stay here. He's got a wife and children. He's got to stay here. And he's over there, he's pleading his case. And the Bible says that we should come before the Lord, plead our case with him. Amen? He's pleading his case before God. And he said throughout the night, every time he would get out in the hallway, and he said, there were times that I was praying things and I shocked myself that I was so forceful to God in my prayer. Lord, he cannot die. Do you hear me? He cannot die. And... The morning came about five o'clock in the morning. There was a breakthrough and he began to turn around and they drew him in and began to do all the work that they needed to do because they got him in a place where he was stable enough to work on him. A few months go by, Brother Hagen said, I did not tell anybody about the way I prayed. It was so foreign to him at this time. This was back in the beginning. He was still pastoring a church. So in the beginning of his ministry, he said, I didn't tell anybody how I prayed, not even my wife. I didn't even tell my wife what I had prayed in the hallway that day because I wasn't sure where I had gone in that. I went to that place of saying, telling Lord what he can't do. He can't take him. He can't let him die. He's got to keep him here. And he said, I had not told anyone. But this man recovered and his first Sunday back in the church, Brother Hagen had him testify. And he stands up to testify. And as he's testifying, he said, I went to heaven. And he said, I was standing there in heaven and he was describing this, this angelic choir and he was describing some different things. And he said, but the Lord came to me and said, you've got to go back. And he said, Lord, I don't want to go back. What do I need to do to stay? I want to stay. What? I don't want to go back. And he said, you have to go back. And he said, Lord, why do I have to go back? And he said, the Lord reached over and drew a curtain back. It looked like it was like a curtain. He said, and he drew back and he saw Brother Hagen standing there walking in that hallway. And he said, Brother Hagen won't let you come. <laughs> Woo! Brother Hagen said it was still over a decade before he ever taught on it because it was something that he was, it was so holy to him, but yet he found himself in a place in prayer. You know, there was a, a minister, uh, Charles Wesley, and he was involved in a great move of God, multitudes of people saved. And he said there were times he would get over into prayer and he would say, Lord, you don't think we're not going to have revival here, do you? You don't think we're not going to have revival here. We're going to have revival in this town. And he said, I would find myself at times in prayer. And it was something from that place of authority, that recognition and the Holy Spirit bringing us to that place to, to lay hold of things and subdue and bring into our possession the things that we need, whether it's help or wisdom or strength or anointing or, or financial, whatever it is, if you'll get over there into that place in prayer, not in a way, you can't do it effectively in your flesh. I'm not talking about somebody getting in their flesh and trying to go into God and being bossy to him. I'm talking about this is the will of God. These are things that are God's will and that place of authority in prayer. Brother Hagen said, after that, 
the, the next time he came to a place like that in prayer was when he was praying for his mother. And he said, the Lord was trying to prompt me to let her go. But I, I said, no, Lord, I, I didn't have these years with her. I didn't have this time with her. I want this time with her. And the Lord granted his prayer and extended her life. And he said, I look back and thought some of the things that she suffered later that I should have probably let her go when, when, before, in that time when the Lord was trying to plead his case with me to say, she'd be good with me if you let her go. But do you notice God said to him in that conversation, I'll do what you ask me. There are things that as we grow and mature in our walk with God and we recognize the place that we hold in authority, that God will ask us to pray some things. And then there will also be some things that we will have his his, he'll, he'll, he'll give us the opportunity. What do you want in this situation? We know it's going to align with his will, but there are some things that he can say, how do you, what do you want? Hallelujah. But it begins by understanding the authority in Jesus' name and strengthening yourself in that authority. Hallelujah. Let's end over in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. Let's begin in verse 6 actually. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you notice the sequence of events? It says, being obedient to the death of the cross Wherefore, or because of this, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. We know that Jesus was operating in the authority that God had delegated to the first Adam, to mankind over all. When he came into the earth as a man, he's operating in that authority. He even delegates that authority to his disciples in Luke chapter 10 and sends them out in his name. And they came back saying, in your name, demons are subject to us. In your name, we saw the sick healed. In your name, we, we, we saw the same results you're getting by using your name because you delegated and sent us in your name. But that was before the cross. Notice, not only is that time sequence acknowledged here, but in Mark, let me, let me read Matthew 28 first. Twenty-eight eighteen. this is after the cross and before he ascends to take his position at the right hand of the Father, he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He had the, the authority that God had delegated to Adam, but now because he has triumphed in the cross, because of his victory in the cross, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name that operates in heaven 
on the earth and under the earth. That's universal wide, everywhere. The name of Jesus holds the highest authority. Jesus said, all power is given to me. And now I'm delegating power to you to go in my name. The same way that he delegated and sent out the disciples in Luke chapter 10, and they went in the name of Jesus and saw the results of Jesus, he has delegated his authority, this this above the earth, on the earth, under the earth. He's delegated his name to us to use in our situations to bring the will of God into manifestation in our lives, to see the will of God in in the things that we're praying about. Hallelujah. The things that we are authorized to do. He says, you go therefore in my name. He says it in Mark 16, that we are to go in, in a representation of who he is. Hallelujah. Verse 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be condemned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We're going to do all these things in his name. Representing who he is. So if you have faith in the name that is delegated to you, you have the necessary components to see what done in that situation, what Jesus would do in that situation. We don't need to ask what would Jesus do because he's here with you. He's in you and he's delegated his authority so you can do what Jesus would do in that situation. You're not waiting to ask him to come do it. He said, if you ask in my name, I'll do it. If you ask the father in my name, he'll give it. Hallelujah. So the authority is delegated. The ball's in our court. We've got to step up and we've got to strengthen it. And it's not gonna come just by head knowledge, you've got to take these scriptures and you've got to feed on them, feed on them, feed on them, feed on them until everything you do, you do all in the name of Jesus. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name, I am authorized. I'm delegated authority to represent him to see his will be done, to speak for him in that situation. Like Brother Hagin in that hallway saying, I need him, and if I need him, you need him. He can't go today. He can't go this way. It's not gonna happen this way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Elijah prayed that it didn't rain, and it didn't rain. (laughs) And you are authorized. He didn't have Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But his prayer availed much. His prayer made tremendous power. He had the will of God, and we've got the will and the name. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord and say, thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say this with me. Today, I accept my privilege of being named with Jesus' name. I am a recipient of this delegated authority. I will walk in that authority and represent the will of God by declaring and relying on the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the authority that you have delegated to me. Teach me, Lord how to use it. In Jesus' name, we ask. And Father, we thank you. We receive it. Just lift your hands right now and worship him for making you his own. Worship him for washing you in the blood of Jesus and making you righteous, justified in his sight. A child of God,
translated out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. You are privileged. You are at an advantage in life. You may have walked in here thinking you were the victim, but now you know you will never be victimized again because of whose you are and who you serve. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to your name.